When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It is Super Bowl Monday. As we record here, you guys are listening on Super Bowl Tuesday. That means there's no more football, and I don't like it, but we have an awesome game to discuss this week on Pod Like a Raven. It always hits me, hours after the Super Bowl ends, that there is no more football. For months, five months by my count, it might be five years, Uh, it feels like five years certainly. We have one more game to talk about, to recap here before the offseason, and it is the big one that happens every February. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my co-host starting on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, I'm sad. There's no more football. There hasn't been Ravens football for a while. And now there's just no NFL at all. What are we uh what are we going to do for the next for the next 4 or 5 months here? Oh man. Uh drink copious amounts of alcohol to try and forget these months that are not football filled. You get a little bit of a taste of it with the Pro Bowl. Um and then this Sunday coming up is when it's really going to hit. Uh, you know, I'm a massive nerd. Horizon Forbidden West comes out on Friday. My entire weekend will be spent playing PlayStation. But Sunday will still have a tinge of, oh, man, emptiness and, and sadness, like you said, Antonio. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, you know, it'll be nice, and we'll mention this later, I'm sure, to have a little bit of time off from the podcast to kind of free up some, some Monday evenings as well. But I'd rather be here talking football with you guys. And it's sad that we won't be able to do that, uh, you know, live action for, for a couple of months here. And on the West Coast, in L.A., Jace Evans. Oh my goodness, Jace, did you uh, hop a turnstile to get to get into SoFi, or what did you do for uh, for that game? Yeah, it's City of Champions, Antonio. They're going crazy out here. And, uh, All ten uh, of them. LA. Yeah, the, the eight fans who were at the 49ers NFC title game, uh, they were, they're all over uh, Inglewood. No, uh, it is exciting. I will say I did not hear a ton of fireworks, which was certainly not the case when the Dodgers won the World Series uh, in October of 2020. But, uh, um, you know, it was exciting. It was a great game. It was a great uh, playoffs. Uh, every game after that kind of snoozer wildcard weekend, all but one game was decided by three points uh, in the last two rounds or three rounds. Um, and that game that wasn't was the the uh, the Chiefs Bills uh, just insane divisional round game. So just an all time crazy playoffs. And uh, to Tim's point and your point, yeah, definitely um, 
it's weird. It's sad without football. Kind of uh, a go-to default excuse of my own is now out the window. I can't use uh, of having to watch, having quote unquote to watch the NFL. But uh, yeah, so it's always a sad day when the Super Bowl uh, ends. But I think you know, for Pod Like a Raven, we got a desired result uh, and one that uh, you know I think was a satisfying conclusion to what was a, a topsy sort of turvy uh, NFL season. Topsy-turvy season, topsy-turvy playoffs, crazy Super Bowl, but both quarterbacks injured, uh, trick plays that didn't work, trick plays that did work, uh, an awesome halftime show, The Rock doing just the longest <laughs> monologue to open a football game, just went on and on and on. We are going to talk all about the Super Bowl, obviously, but this is Pod Like a Raven, so we have a few Ravens talking points, let's call them. Not, not even really news, just a couple of things to go over. Uh, we'll do a random Raven and then recap the Super Bowl as well as go over our prop bets, but starting with the Ravens. Uh, Bengals cornerback Eli Apple uh, did not have a good game and was getting roasted by many uh, all over the, the Twitter sphere and the online world. But included in that group making fun of Eli Apple were uh, multiple Ravens. Uh, and I don't necessarily agree with this because we weren't in the super you know it's easy to make fun of the players in the super bowl when you're not playing in the game yourself uh i saw there was some lamar stuff uh, sort of making fun of eli apple some other players as well uh guys thoughts on raven twitter roasting when you're sitting on your couch in february well, that's I enjoyed it. It was funny, and we never we haven't really brought him up on the show. But yeah, Eli Apple, one of the more hated uh, guys in the NFL, it certainly seems by just based on the Twitter reaction. And uh, certainly, when I believe it was when they won in Baltimore, he did the big truss outside the locker room thing, and so that was annoying. So I, I can't say I'm a fan of Eli Apple, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm also not a huge fan of when the Ravens' two worst losses of the season were both to the Bengals. Yes. That you know, they, you don't really have much of a leg to stand on in that regard. So, I, did I love it? No, but I did. I laugh. Absolutely, it's very funny, and I don't like Eli Apple. So you know, I see both sides. I see both sides of the coin. I suppose. I think it's hilarious that it wasn't just the Ravens, right? Because clearly, there's some <laughs> beef there. It was uh, Rashad Bateman with just the apple emoji. I think Hollywood went after him too. And they're all just kind of quote tweeting each other basically in a big cycle, but the entire NFL hates this guy. And that's funny. Um, you know, I'll have a hot take and yeah, this is purple tinted glasses. I'm aware. And I know this is a Ravens, uh, bias. And I know I say that too much, but that's fine. Why are we making fun of Joe Burrow for finally showing up in something gaudy and ridiculous and then playing like crap and losing the Super Bowl? Huh? Why are we talking about that? The guy showed up in a zebra stripes, not even tiger stripes, <laughs> zebra stripes. Wrong animal, Joe, and ends up losing the Super Bowl. But yeah, in all seriousness, it was um, absolutely hilarious. To take it off the Ravens for a bit, I did love McCole Hardman, uh, Chiefs wide receiver, who, again, they got beat twice by the Bengals in two humiliating comebacks. And so take that for what you will. This is, this is the – all of these guys that play in the league now grew up with social media – so this is going to happen. Whatever. We're, gonna, we're back into the whole this league that the NBA gets to. But I love McCole Hardman basically roasting Eli Apple on Twitter during the game. And then after the game, took out an enormous Super Bowl ring that he has won with the Kansas City Chiefs and says, don't worry, big bro. You'll get, your, some, you'll get one of these someday, maybe. But you got to work on your game because you kind of stink. Um, 
I don't know. It's a Bengals player that that this this fairy tale story that we were all supposed to love and that I absolutely hated, and now <laughs> you know they're getting roasted. I'm fine with it. That works for me. A few other uh, Raven related news and notes that were all happening around the Super Bowl. Let's say um, the first one I don't like, and the second one I do like. the The first one being Lamar Jackson. Allegedly, definitely, ev- photo evidence, I think, I- I'm not actually sure, but seemed to be hanging out with Antonio Brown and Kanye West. Just the the triumvirate there of good decision making, and I'm concerned that Lamar is officially hanging out with the wrong people. I'm concerned that he's really good friends with Antonio Brown to the point of wanting to like drag him onto this roster of the Ravens that I don't want. Uh, and then the second thing is Clays Campbell announcing that he is not retiring this season uh, after getting inspired by the the Rams the Ram veteran performance uh, of all these old dudes and the Rams getting getting a Super Bowl and so all of a sudden he's not retiring which is good uh, no guarantees on Campbell being a Raven next season but he's uh, at least gonna suit up for someone hopefully hopefully Baltimore but uh guys any thoughts on the uh Boy, the, the bad news, good news uh, situation here of, of Ravens in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the, the seemingly good news because, like you said, Clive Campbell is a free agent, but he does want to come back. And in my head, I interpret that as, why would he come back and not play for the Ravens at this point? Uh, so I kind of interpret that as him wanting to play for the Ravens again. Now we'll see. I imagine they'd want him back because he was such a crucial piece uh, to what they did stopping the run, uh, even if his patch rush numbers aren't there. But yeah, so that, that was kind of funny. And I think I tried to ignore the Lamar thing. I saw a photo of him with Antonio Brown on Instagram. I believe I declined to share it in our group chat. Uh, I was, it was trying to be like an out of sight, out of mind thing, but yeah, Antonio, I hate it. I mean, you know, we were chit chatting a little bit about it pre-show. You rightfully mentioned, like, it's not going to happen. He's Antonio Brown's not going to be on the Ravens, but it's, I just I don't need a whole nother offseason of this. We already did this once. They didn't sign him. They're not going to sign him now. No one's probably going to sign him, honestly, after, uh, you know, his what unfolded between him and the Bucks. But I just, there's going to be a segment of Ravens Twitter that is just talks about this nonstop, and it's going to drive me insane. And just don't open Twitter. That's, I guess, my message uh, at the end of the day. Because, yeah, it, it's it's just madness. It's it, I, We don't need it. We don't need any of it. It's like um, an itch that you can't reach. You know, <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that will never go away. It's it's not. It doesn't, you know, hopefully it's not something bad. And it doesn't really mean anything. But it's just annoying. And you, uh, and you want it to dissipate. And it just won't dissipate for the longest time. And now I'm making myself itch. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we talked about it last week. DaCosta shot it down. It's not going to happen. But, like, even Hollywood's not hanging out with his cousin. So, like, just maybe <laughs> don't, Lamar. You know? I don't know. It. Who cares? He, he clearly doesn't care about the optics of it. And he's not coming to the team. And if it gets to a point where Lamar's like, I demand him, then we have to question Lamar. Because, like, bro, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, the Campbell stuff, you know, Jace, Jace nailed it. I... I don't. I, I disagree with the point that if he's coming back, it's definitely going to be with the Ravens. He might go ring chasing, and he might find an opportunity that he thinks is a little better. I mean, he's going to be 36 in September. Maybe he's like, hey, I'm going to do one more ride. I clearly can play at a high level. I mean, he was one of the most important players for the Ravens defense constantly last year. 
Um, but maybe he finds somewhere else he can go. If not, if they can figure something out, um, I think he is, at worst, a great rotational piece, obviously a great locker room figure, and a guy that you can rotate on that defensive line um, because you're expecting a bigger role from Matabuke. Uh, Broderick Washington played pretty well this year in, in spot roles. Um, Derek Wolf, I think, is gone. Who knows what the deal is with him? But then you're expecting, and we're going to hammer this home, over and over and over again in the offseason, at least I will. I will not let this narrative die. Offense and defensive line both need to be improved massively. So you expect some young guys to come in. Who better to learn from than Calais Campbell? All right, so that's really it in terms of the Ravens. No, no Ravens on the field for the Super Bowl <laughs> this year. That'll be next year. Uh, but some Ravens in the stands and some other things going around. So that's it for Raven, Raven news and notes. We are going to do the random Raven now uh, and then jump into the Super Bowl. I am up this week with the random Raven. So uh, I'll say now to the fellas and to the listeners, um, I'm, I'm pretty vague with my clues here, but it's be, it's done intentionally. So if, if we get to the end and it really is impossible, I'll add a clue that's just going to make it, I think, too easy. But it's a fun one, I think, and it's relatively recent. So this random Raven... Played for the team for three seasons, from 2015 to 2017, also known as the Dark Ages of Ravens, Ravens football. <laughs> this player was drafted out of the University of Arkansas in the third round by the New England Patriots in 2011, but couldn't break into their starting lineup and was traded after three seasons to the Houston Texans. He was finally able to get his first start in 2014 with Houston, and was a spot starter for them in 2015, but was released in October of 2015 after an infamous incident where he missed the team flight before the Texans game against the Miami Dolphins and had to fly commercial to join the team in Miami. <laughs> Two months later, he was signed by the Ravens out of desperation due to injuries and poor play at the position and got his first start two weeks later playing a pivotal role in a surprise win over the 9-5 and Pittsburgh Steelers. The Ravens at the time were like 4-9 and nine or something like that. It was not good. He started only one more game that season and then was a backup with no starts in 2016 and 2017, his last seasons with the Ravens and his last seasons in the NFL. He wore both Kyle Bowler's and then Hollywood Brown's old numbers. So that is the... Uh, that is the random Raven with no position. Wow. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely have it. I have no recollection of him being around that long. But <laughs> Won a game as a starter against, I mean, I'll say it, against Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And that Back is the when random he Raven. Was good. <laughs> when Big Ben was still good. That guy, and we've joked about this on Random Raven, and I didn't get it till the till the number, and then it all flooded back to me. The the infamous incident, the Patriots, that everybody thought like remember well, we'll get to it when we reveal it, because I don't want to do position yet. But um he had there was high hopes for this guy, uh, to maybe be a prominent figure in the NFL. Obviously it didn't work out. He might be the epitome of the Dark Ages. Like, I'm not going to say his name yet, <laughs> but when we reference this, because I feel like all of the rest of our random Ravens for the next the eons are going to be pulled from this era because we're all just, it's just like a blank memory. It, it's no longer the Dark Ages. It's the blank Ravens era or the Ravens blank <laughs> era. Um, even if he didn't feature that prominently, that, that 
actually is probably one of the first guys that comes to my mind when we talk about this period where like you kind of just don't follow it and you know we had all just gotten out of college looking for jobs and doing you know life is changing and yeah our team stinks because this guy's playing a role we will go over those clues uh once again at the end i'm, I'm proud of my two co-hosts on this one I'm proud that they were both able to to nail this without the without the position of a player all right let's get into the reason that we're we're here today to to chat and that's really about the super bowl that just happened uh in case you live under a rock it was 23 20 la rams over the cincinnati Bengals, just like the nfl wanted uh and just like the nfl got i'm gonna try to keep like conspiracy antonio uh down here as much as i can but it's just too it's just too perfect that uh that these things all worked out for LA in just the best way possible. But talking about this game from an X's and O's perspective first, uh, in the first quarter plus, first quarter, half of the second quarter of this game, it looked like the Rams were gonna, maybe were going to run away with it. Stafford was sharp. Uh, they had Beckham and Cup making plays, getting open, breaking tackles. The Rams get two touchdowns on their first four drives. Uh, Meanwhile, on the other side, Burrow is just trying his absolute best to get rid of the ball within three seconds because, shockingly, uh, the Bengals' offensive line is getting folded in on by the likes of Aaron Donald, who we're going to do. Tim can just take whatever time he wants in this episode to talk about Aaron Donald, five, whether it's five minutes here or every ten minutes, just jump in with more Aaron Donald praise, but he and the whole Rams' defensive line was just absolutely crushing uh the Bengals interior but the Bengals were able to get some yards with Joe Mixon in the running game which helped stem the tide just a little bit they were able to get some first downs as opposed to going three and out uh Jamar Chase had a ridiculous one-handed catch on uh, on Jalen Ramsey to get a, get them into field goal range um and with the Rams up 13 to 3 the Bengals get a critical critical touchdown drive to stay within touching distance and that's what the Bengals do they hang around, they hang around, and that is exactly how the script was in the first 25 minutes or so of this game, uh, where even though they seemed to be losing on all sides of the ball, they were still in this game at 13-10, to 10, guys. What were your uh, impressions of, of that first, I, I want to say the first half, but you know, almost the first half uh, for, for both of these teams? Yeah, before, before we get into um, some of the, the calamity at the start of the second half, I, I am going to wax poetic about Aaron Donald. So if you want that, skip ahead just a little bit because, um, spoiler alert, I, I this recency bias be damned, he's my favorite non-Raven of all time. Um, it is just, it's insane. And I, this is a guy who has, the guys can't see it, a Ladanian Tomlinson jersey right hanging up right here behind me. Uh, I loved watching that guy play football. The powder Aaron Donald, awesome. Yeah. Oh, the powder blue stitch, the old one. Oh, so so. The, not the new design, the crap design. The old design they had when LT was dominating people, and that's my LT, not Lawrence Taylor. Um, but Aaron Donald is absolutely incredible. I will disagree though on the first half. I thought the Bengals' offensive line actually held up relatively well. Um, you know, to another bit of a spoiler alert, my my sacks over cashed. That thanks to just the Cincinnati Bengals, which I told you in the preview episode was going to happen and their creaky offensive line. But a lot of that came in the second half when Raheem Morris turned up the heat, the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. I thought, as did Chris Collinsworth, because he said it every every time there was a break in play, 
the Cincinnati offensive line held up decently well in that first half, and and that was part of the reason that, that for me, I think, kept them in it. Yeah, it, I think the other big thing we have to address, I think, that certainly changed the tenor of this first half was uh, the injury to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, it uh, He seemingly tore his ACL. Those are kind of what the reports are, which, you know, sticks for him. He tore his ACL two years ago, um, or just last season, I guess, right? 2020. Um and uh, so it looks like he did it again. Um, and he clearly was going to factor big time right into what they did. He has the really nice touchdown on a, just a beautiful throw from Matthew Stafford. He has another long completion. Um, and then he gets injured. And they just kind of, I think, without him and then without Tyler Higby, which I think was a big deal. He's kind of a low-key, important pass catcher for them. It just kind of changed what they did. And the offense stalled out just enough that it allowed um, the uh, the Bengals to kind of hang around. And, and, and I'm with you. I mean, some other weird things happened. Like it's 13 to three, and but it should be 14 to three. But Johnny Hecker drops the extra point. And like I remember, even I think I said aloud, I was like, "Oh, that's not great." But you know, they're still up 10. No big deal. <laughs> and, and then you know the Rams don't score again in the entire first half. And uh, don't score a touchdown again until the very end of the game. So um, it, it was just very strange in that regard to see the Rams kind of stall out. I think another big reason they kept stalling out, uh, especially once Beckham got hurt, was their their running game was atrocious. I mean, they averaged less than uh, it was less than two yards of carry by the time it was all said and done. I believe. Yeah, they had forty three twenty three carries for forty three yards. They averaged one point nine uh, yards per carry. Uh, and their long was eight. Uh, the the Bengals just bottled them up completely and completely neutralized the run game. And that put a lot on Matt Stafford, and we saw some classic Matt Stafford mistakes uh, in the well, first half. That was, was so <laughs> strange. The Yes, the running game was getting bottled up, but in the passing game, the Bengals defensively were playing so soft there was so many things underneath to receivers, to running backs. Maybe they were just getting burned, so they were afraid of, of the big plays, and so they ended up playing soft. Eli was... Apple was on the field. <laughs> and we talked about it in the in the uh, uh, preview that we did last week. It was like the Bengals will try to play off. They will try to keep the ball in front of them and wait for the Stafford mistake, which he wasn't doing early in the game. He was taking these short throws and getting yards after the catch. Chris Collinsworth has the perfect... Jumps in with the perfect line. Oh, yeah, yeah, I talked to Matt Stafford, and he said I have to be patient. And then, like, minutes, I feel like. Maybe I'm losing track of the timeline, but minutes, in my mind, after Collinsworth said that Stafford knows he has to be patient, he, do- he does the rollout, the finger point to get the receiver to go long, and I was at a, a small gathering with about six people, and just with and not the biggest sports fans uh, among the entire group, and I just said out loud... After the finger point, this is going to be an interception. <laughs> deep deep throw, deep duck, uh, and it's easily intercepted. And that was exactly, first of all, cash the prop bet on the Matt Stafford interception. Got that one in the first half. And it was exactly what the Bengals wanted. It was exactly what Stafford had to avoid. And he couldn't help himself. He couldn't help it after taking all those short throws. And it was just that exact type of play that the Bengals have made all of this postseason, and that is how they've stayed in games, that is how they've come back uh, from deficits. Then in the second half, the Bengals score on their first 
play, which we have to talk about. This deep throw to, uh, I want to say it's T. Higgins, right? The T. deep Higgins, throw to T. Higgins. Second touchdown of the game after he catches one on the, the trick play in the first half on that big drive for the Bengals. By the way, we talked about it. Somebody <laughs> else had to make a play because they were going to bottle up Jamar Chase. Continue, Antonio. Uh, and when I saw it at first, I was just happy to see Jalen Ramsey fall down and get burned. <laughs> and I don't even hate Jalen Ramsey necessarily, but it's just, I, I, I kind of chuckled and I said, oh, perfect. Uh, it's the perfect scenario. It's not even Jamar Chase. It's like the second receiver <laughs> burning Jalen Ramsey. But maybe Ramsey has some beef here, uh, where there seemed to be a little bit of a very clear grab and pull uh, of the face mask, face mask varieties which helped Higgins a catch the ball and then just run slowly into the end zone for a touchdown guys I you know conspiracy uh, conspiracy Antonio uh, I don't think the reps were trying to give the Bengals a touchdown here it, it honestly looked like from a replay the two refs that should have seen it were in bad position. Like they did the eye line of the face mask was not where either of the refs who were closest to the ball were able to see it. I think they just missed it, but there's also a ref in the middle of the field and how, (laughs) how he misses it. I don't know the sideline refs. I understand, but the one in the middle of the field has to catch that. What happened there? Well, it's incompetence. And I just have a personal anecdote because I think, I think it's, it, it's funny and maybe I was just too involved with the buffalo chicken dip. Yes, I made it again. The nachos and all the other food that was, you know, provided that that we were chowing down on. But I was watching it with a couple friends, and I we all missed the face mask as well on the replay. I don't know if we were all like looking at our phones on the replay or whatever, because we saw some of the replays, and maybe we missed the right angle. But for like a quarter, I am emphasizing. Look. It was P.I. because I saw the jersey tug. I didn't see the face mask. And I was like, it was P.I., but Jalen Ramsey being so good was almost to his detriment because he was so tight on T. Higgins that they were never going to see that pool move. And that was kind of a, a brilliant dark arts play from T. Higgins. And then in the fourth quarter, they showed the replay again and went, oh, wait, never mind. I'm completely <laughs> wrong about that. There was a blatant face mask that even I could see. So I, I'm not trying to, you know, give the refs any sort of out here. It's the effing Super Bowl, for Christ's sake. You need to be able to make that call. But, uh, yeah, even even I missed it. But, again, I could have been very, very, very distracted by the pimento cheese that was also at the, at the party as well. <laughs> I also, uh, Tim, ate an ungodly amount of buffalo chicken dip that uh, my oh, roommate, uh, Andrew so Bayford, we had a group of friends over, a small group as well. Um, and this was nice. I got to actually watch the Super Bowl like 99% not working thanks to these Olympic shifts. So that was kind of a, a pleasant uh, surprise of the benefits of working overnight. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, um, on that play, I definitely did not see the face mask. But I also, similar to you, I was like, isn't that OPI? Like Jalen Ramsey's, why, like, why is Ramsey just flying onto the ground there? Something happened. And there were, You could he, see a jersey pull. That's what I thought yeah, it was. That, yeah. So that's what I thought. I was like, he kind of threw him out of the way, didn't he? But, you know, they're probably not going to call that in the Super Bowl. And they didn't call anything, really, until late. But uh, I, at this moment, I was just like, this is just some classic Bengals bull crap. Like, you're like, they're they're getting thoroughly outplayed. Uh, or it seemed like it certainly in the early going by the Rams, they first play after halftime, they hit this kind of just crazy play, some slight controversy, got away with something. 
And then the next play by the Rams, Stafford <laughs> throws an interception. Not really his fault, but, um, you know, these are the things that happen when you throw to Ben Skoranek instead of uh, Cooper Cup, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so, and then the Bengals turn that into three points, and then, you know, it's, what, it's at that point, it's 20 to 13 in two plays, like, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and in two plays, I would say, those of us that picked the Bengals at plus four and a half are feeling... A lot better than we did uh, in the first quarter, in the second quarter, maybe even at halftime. The the Rams are able to attack on a field goal. It's 20-16. to 16, And then we get this sort of lull, which happens a lot, I feel like, in, in these Super Bowl games. We get all of a sudden, after all the excitement, this lull of uh, a lot of punts back and forth. They officially say that Beckham is, is out for the game. You know, he was I think he was like questionable for, for periods of the game. Now he's officially out. Uh, Chris Collinsworth is freaking out that the Rams don't have any weapons on the field. Shut up. Uh, even though Cooper Cup is, is, is very much still there. And as he's talking about that, the three of us are texting, and I, uh, I want to repeat a paraphrased uh, Mike Tyson quote that I, I offered to the, to the guys, and that is that everyone has a plan until they have to throw to Ben Skoronek and Bryson Hopkins down a <laughs> touchdown in the Super Bowl. And it was odd how often... Uh, first of all, for those of you who don't know, Mike Tyson had a line that said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's the Mike Tyson quote, which is a very good one. It's like a very prophetic line (laughs) from an athlete to have. But this is where the Rams found themselves with Beckham out. Van Jefferson, not really as, as effective as, as he's been in other, uh, in other games. And and he might've had other things on his mind since his wife went into labor at the game (laughs) and he had a child later Sunday night. So congrats to them. But yeah, and that's a great point. And so you find moments where it's like, why are we, why, why is this in the Super Bowl? is Ben Skoronek getting all these touches. And then finally the Rams and Stafford with just enough time left decide, Hey, let's stop throwing to those guys and instead get the ball to the offensive player of the year, which is Cooper cup. And they did exactly that on their 15-play touchdown drive to take the lead with just over a minute left. Cup has eight plays to him on of those 15 plays. He has one run and seven targets, of which four or five were, were catches. And they he drives them down the field, basically. Uh, obviously with, with Stafford at the helm, but... They finally figured it out, guys. Maybe get the ball to our, our best offensive player. And that's when, for me, I'll say the last thing I'll say is... The wheels started to turn uh, on the Cooper Cup may win MVP of this game. If, if this is having like he gets like the drive for him and it ends in a touchdown, and it's like ooh maybe uh, maybe this five to one prop bet is uh, is gonna come alive here. So uh, thoughts on uh, on Cooper Cup and that last drive for the Rams. Well, congrats to whichever random mysterious person made you know said. Super Bowl MVP bet. That's great for them. Aaron Donald was robbed, but we're, and we'll get to that in a second. He was absolutely. <laughs> 100% robbed. Um, my big takeaway, one, you know, let's start positive because we have to start positive. Uh, Cooper Cup took over and Matt Stafford made one of the best throws uh, I've ever seen, especially given the moment. The no-look throw to Cup where he basically, and again, smarter people than I, and I'm regurgitating some of their information because I've been intaking as much Super Bowl recap as I can before we're just in a barren wasteland of maybe baseball. Um, and maybe. <laughs> maybe who knows? And he does the no look thing where Von Bell, the safety is kind of waiting there. He holds Von Bell with his eyes and cup kind of runs behind him and he stares down 
to to his right. I'm trying to do a good job describing this in audio medium. I'm doing a terrible job. Basically, the safety doesn't move because he thinks Stafford is going one way because Stafford's looking that way, throws it the opposite, sort of in the middle of the field rather than to the right where he's looking. Cooper Cup is there making a great play. The the fourth and one run that Antonio mentions is a great play from Cup as well. It's a good play design. And that is where I turn negative. I think Sean McVay is one of the most overrated people I have ever heard about in, in my entire life. Oh, just to the character. I just, he's probably a great guy, not, not character, but in terms of what he is lauded with, offensive genius, the new head coach that's going to define the generations. And sure, his coaching tree, you look at it, it's pretty impressive. He was playing against one of his former guys in the Super Bowl, and that's great. And, and this might be hot takey. But he panicked, and the game plan was awful until the final drive when he goes, yep, guess we got to give it to the dude who's been the best dude, the record-setting dude, the guy who has all the – it was arguably could have been MVP of the league this year at wide receiver if it wasn't just a quarterback award. He finally decides to give him the ball. Jace mentioned the running, and we just kind of glanced over it, and we got a lot to talk about, and I understand that. McVay, get away from it. It was it was Cam Cameron, Matt Cavanaugh-esque of what he was doing. First down run, second down run, third and long, incomplete pass. We're off the field. Good job, Kyle Bowler, throwing to, I don't know, Patrick Johnson. Name your receiver, whoever you want. There's a random Raven we've definitely used before. I thought it was, it was abysmal, and the shellacking that he would have taken if they had lost this game would have been thoroughly deserved. And he made a, he might have, because there are rumors that he might retire and go and be a broadcaster now. I think it's ridiculous. But he it would have been so embarrassing that the loss might have forced him to retire because of how bad it would have been. It was for some whiz kid offensive genius bullcrap that I hear all the time about this guy. I thought it was abysmal. Sure, you lose Odell Beckham. Right. And, and the Collinsworth stuff, you know, Antonio mentioned it. I don't need to go on and on about that because Antonio is right. It's, it's ridiculous that, oh, I, don't know, I don't know, Al. They don't really have a lot of guys. You have Cooper Cup on the field. Throw him the ball. Sony Michelle's somewhere. You just don't want to give him. Cam Akers is good. Like, there are weapons on the field that you make plays. Van Jefferson, obviously, in a different spot. I know. But he could definitely, he could contribute some and all of a sudden it's like oh well we lost our uh, star wide receiver so uh, the game plan was really screwed up no that makes you a bad coach because you don't have a plan b i thought the drive was fantastic but was almost not needed or shouldn't have been needed excuse me because it took him way too long in a super bowl moment to figure it out and if he wasn't playing against a high school offensive line and he didn't have the best player of his generation on defense. And don't worry, we will get to him. I think this could have been an, an egg on the face moment for Sean McVay. And I think he is very, very lucky to be lifting the Lombardi. The, the big McVay overthinking it moment for me was the, um, the third down play on the drive that made it uh, 20 to 16 when they went Philly special uh and cooper cup overthrew matt stafford by about 10 yards <laughs> um, that is like that was just like for me was just like hey just do a five yard out to cooper cup with your your quarterback who had 41 touchdowns this year have him throw the ball don't try to don't get don't get cute here it's the super bowl you're down four what are we what are you, or down uh seven at that point what it's like what are you doing uh and they just putter sputtered out but i think and why I, 
I was fine with Cup winning MVP. I mean, uh, I think they should have co-MVPs, but the real, like, heroes for the Rams in the second half were the defense and the defensive line specifically um, because they just held those guys down so hard and just forced punt after punt. I said multiple times, multiple drives to the people I was watching the game with. I was like, the Bengals score a touchdown here. The Super Bowl is over. They were a touchdown away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, up four. <laughs> they had multiple chances to get a touchdown, and they just never even got close uh, thanks to Aaron Donald. And my number one offseason uh, Ravens free agent target that we absolutely won't sign, Von Miller. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, thanks to those guys and, you know, Sean Robinson and Greg Gaines and the rest of the crew up front. They just they just pummeled him in the second half. I mean, they finished this game with seven sacks overall, and they just held him in it until the Rams were able to stage that final drive. Tim, I want to. I'll use this as a pivot for you because I want to talk about and have space to talk about the Rams' defense. But I want to backtrack a little bit on the McVeigh stuff. Do you think it was he? So first of all, he's been here before. He's been in a Super Bowl where the offense was a disaster. And he was embarrassed after the game, admitted it. He got schooled by Bill Belichick. Like, this is a very, it's a very famous narrative that he, you know, overthought it or was unable to adjust. And I'm just wondering, he got, like, looked like he had a little of the deer in the headlights again in this big moment where he's, like, a guy that is, he thinks about everything all the time. The, the wheels are always turning. He's supposed to be eight moves ahead. And in these big moments, he gets a little so kind of shell-shocked and just kept running his running back into a wall over and over and over again. But A, is it, the, is it this deer-in-the-headlights thing for him, or is it just, was he afraid of Matt Stafford making too many throws? He's got two picks in this game, he led the league in picks, like, I don't, like, what else could it be? It has to be something where it's like, we all see this, the running game is not there, you are down in the Super Bowl, what, like, you gotta change, you gotta get away from this, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, he'll never admit to that, right? But I'm also not going to hear it from him if he did because he backed Jared Goff all the way. We can win with this guy, signed him to this crazy money, and then threw him to a homeless shelter, a.k.a. the Detroit Lions, just to bring Matt Stafford in and backed him completely. And, you know, obviously you could say, well, he's had the whole season to kind of see him, whatever. Stafford... We've admitted on this podcast, I'm a bit higher on him than you two guys. I could I fully admit that he makes mistakes, right? But you're down in the Super Bowl at this point. Like, you're in a close game. You have this franchise quarterback, this potential, and this could be debated, Hall of Fame quarterback. You have to go let him make plays. And and the other part with that, Antonio, and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with maybe you're a little bit trepidatious of him making another mistake after the the Zach Wilson point and you know duck which was just <laughs> completely embarrassing second interception's not on him you know for my money but you know d- debate to be had i guess with Matthew Stafford also and i'll emphasize it again comes your second best player and your best offensive player in Cooper Cup that's how you get Cooper Cup the ball is via Matt Stafford throwing him the damn ball. So that like that has to correlate at some point. And I, I, I do not think I, I, I would be I would be shocked if you put him up to a lie detector test. I would be shocked if Sean McVay went, yeah, well, you know, in that moment he's kind of he tends to make mistakes. I think he got scared. I think he got scared of the moment. Again, I think he overthinks things. There's there's something to be said, and this 
again, this is Monday morning quarterback, guy on the couch logic. I fully, fully understand this. But there's something to be said about going with your gut and not overanalyzing every little detail about something. And finding some, and you know, maybe have an alternative plan. Maybe make sure you're prepared for every situation. But then in the moment, you got to feel it too. And it just seems like he just, he panics. I mean, we saw it. He was all hopped up, allegedly, on Adderall at the 49ers game, throwing challenge flags everywhere. Like, the guy gets too <laughs> amped up for the moment. This is That was just a joke. I, I do not. There's no reports of that. Nothing. <laughs> but he just gets too amped up and almost builds him up himself up into a like nervous energy and I and we saw it again and again I think look take all this with a grain of salt I still think he's a good coach maybe even great coach but I think he's incredibly overrated for these people that want to put him on a pedestal and now say give him his flowers as the kids are saying because he won his Super Bowl no he got lucky to win that Super Bowl because of my boy can we finally get to it Antonio please please these five minutes are brought to you by the NFL Defensive Fund. Uh, Tim Horsey <laughs> on, on Aaron Donald and the Rams defense. Uh, Aaron Donald. First of all, okay, before we get into Aaron Donald, Sean Robinson. Never heard of that guy before in my life. 94, the nose tackle. That dude was a stud. Uh, Biggest man I've ever seen in my life. We trade for that. Never heard of the the five star Alabama defensive tackle, Sean Robinson? <laughs> no, Jace, I haven't, nope. unfortunately. No, I haven't. But that guy. Uh, I think Collinsworth made – and I thought Collinsworth and Al Michaels, for my money, were pretty good last night, as much as as much stick as we like to give Collinsworth. Um, he was like, every time he's in the game, they should have a, like, a guy up in the booth saying, don't run the ball because it's a negative play every time he – and Collinsworth was right. But Aaron Donald – Aaron Donald might be the scariest person to ever put on a on – a, helmet in the National Football League. And I put that up there with Ray Lewis and Dick Butkus and Mike Singletary and Lawrence Taylor, the OG LT. Uh, not mine, but, you know, the OG one. The the way... The way that he almost looks too small for the position yet overpowers everybody in front of him, and then if he doesn't overpower them, he can just get by them with knife-like quickness is something that just mystifies me every time. You know, every time I watch football with somebody and I, like... And I just get excited about like, oh, oh, it's going this way. Look at that block there. They're like, how do you know that? I'm like, because I'm just an, an idiot who watches the offensive defensive line and doesn't watch the ball until like the ball is out or the ball's released somewhere. You watch up front. And I never enjoy it as much as I do with Aaron Donald. Um, the intensity, the anger, the emotion and the motivation that he played with in not only this game, but the NFC championship game is something uh, – that somebody who grew up in the school of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, I will always, always, always admire and appreciate. You can talk about Ray being ham-fisted. You can talk about Ray being over the top. You can hate Ray for all of his ridiculous speeches. I ate every single one of them up and will continue to do so for the rest of time and will tell you why they are important to the legacy of the game. Aaron Donald plays with that, except it's, it's like meaner, too. And the play... And thank the Lord that they didn't protect the quarterbacks. Ron Torbert, shout out you for this one. When he decleats Joe Burrow, who's running out of bounds, and he knows he still has time, hits him, 10 bangles surround him, and Aaron Donald just kind of stares at them, and they all sort of back off a little bit, I went, uh-oh. He's re- like, this is it. He's ready now. And then we talk about this final drive, Right. So you get the first down play. This happens. The uh, they get the Jamar Chase play. They they they're going down the field a little bit. They have Evan McPherson, who you know 
distant second best kicker in the league. And they're like, okay, you know, guy might have a chance. Get him, get him within 60. He might have a chance, might have a chance. It seems like they're moving the ball. Then it's the second and one where it, it looked like a miscommunication with uh, Chase and Burrow, where it looked like it was going to be like, you know, I, I don't disagree with the call. Take a shot on second and one. You still have two downs to make it up. If you need it, you're running low on time, what have you. The third down play with Aaron Donald, with P. Ryan, where he sheds his blocker, grabs P. Ryan from behind. This is on third and one, by the way. You remember all the times that the Ravens players love to knock guys forward on third and one? Aaron Donald has the situational awareness, the power, and the anger to grab P. Ryan, basically sit down with him and throw him backwards to make sure that he doesn't, that he can't get that, that yard. Then on fourth down, the same thing that you saw with Jimmy G in the NFC Championship game. Donald go, and I think there's a clip going around and McVeigh said, Aaron Donald's going to make this play. I think and the NFL tweeted out, he goes, Donald's going to make a play here. We're good. He's going to make the play. He's going to make the play. They, sh- they kind of like do a close in camera on Aaron Donald and he, he's kind of pumping up the crowd, but it's not like one of these like dancing pump ups. It's just like, rise with me and he's just has this this vim and vigor in him and you and he gets in there he absolutely destroys the guy he is trying to block and almost almost and should have had his third sack of the night if joe burrow didn't pull the kind of like jimmy g shovel pass although this one wasn't picked off effectively ends the game the ring celebration is amazing they did it for the second time he points to it he goes i'm finally getting this mf or i'm finally getting it i i the league is offensive now. It's not as fun for me as it used to be when, you know, you declete guys all the time. And so Aaron Donald is kind of the last representation of the era of football that I grew up on and the era of football that I love and the and the, the hard-nosed defense. And he is unstoppable in a way, in a different way, but in the same sort of domination that Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were, were in their prime of – I am making all the plays that are going to be made today, and I can single-handedly win this game from a defensive point of view. And I think he got robbed. I really do on the on the Super Bowl MVP. I think the way they turned the heat up in the second half, the plays he was making, not only in the run game but pressuring Burrow, and the the emotional lead that he kind of has because he doesn't. He's not like he's not a Ray. He's not a talker. He's not a he's not a you know g everybody up. But when he does. You listen because it means something, and he did that a number of times throughout these playoffs and and on Sunday in the Super Bowl. And I don't know. I think if I think of that fourth down as a, as a sack, and he has three sacks in the game, and and the numbers guys can go, oh, okay, one, two, three, and trust me, sacks matter. I know we've talked about it on this podcast. I think he wins Super Bowl MVP, um, and I think he should have. And that's it for me. You guys can talk for the rest of the podcast because I'm tired. Aaron Donald's the best. I love him. And if he and at some point this won't happen, but at some point my dream would be like he ends up being the Calais Campbell where we get him not at his best years, but he's still like dominant at 36. And he comes in. He's like, oh, this Ravens mentality. This is great. I, I love this about about this team. And it would just make my oh, that's instant jersey buy for me. Ninety nine purple or whatever number of always still out there dominating whatever number he wants. Give it to him. Put it on my back. Uh, yeah, he's great. Should have won MVP. I'm happy for him. The, the thing that's astonishing with him and I think so special about him is he, he makes the big play like the, in the big moments. Like We saw it in the NFC title game. He was the one who came just cratering through the line that prompted that awful Jimmy G pass. He ends, he ends uh, uh, the Super Bowl 
with that play last night. I'm kind of with you, Tim. I think if he does get a sack, I think that would have tied the, the official Super Bowl sack record for an individual. He probably does get MVP if he gets that. Um, I think they should have done co-MVPs. It's a thing the NFL did once and then has never done again. I don't know why they refused to do it. Uh, but they did it way back in 1977, and then they've refused to split Super Bowl MVPs since. Um, Gambling. Well, <laughs> That's the reason. Yeah, Multiple yes. bets will win as yeah. opposed to just one bet will win. That's a, that's a good point, Antonio. <laughs> the NFL brought to you by FanDuel or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. DraftKings, I forget which is the ones that are official. But... Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, so Donald, in the biggest moments of the two biggest games of the season, he comes up with the biggest play, and he's just so special in that regard, and it does remind me of a player like a, a Ray Lewis, you know, st- we think back to him stopping the Chargers on fourth down, just, I mean, so many big Ray Lewis plays, the interception against the, the Titans, yeah, in the playoffs, just whenever the Ravens needed a big play, Ray or Ed Reed came through with it, and Donald's the same way, and I mean, he, his resume is unmatched at this point, he's Defensive Rookie of the Year, a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, uh, now a Super Bowl champion, I mean, the only guys who have won three Defensive Player of the Years are J.J. Watt and Lawrence Taylor, um, so he's a Hall of Famer if he retires tomorrow, which he's hinted, he's not like 100% committed to coming back, I hope Please he does, because I... I love watching him play, but he doesn't have a single thing to prove anymore. I mean, I think he's easily uh, the best defensive player of his generation. He's probably the best defensive tackle ever, um, if you like are not including like R- Reggie White or Bruce Smith as pure defensive tackles and more defensive ends. Like he he's on the short list. He's he's I think in the top ten best defenders ever with what he's already accomplished in just eight seasons. It's astonishing how good he is, and it's just fun to watch. And uh, you know, you, you never really—I, I don't know if anyone deserves the Super Bowl necessarily, but I think in Donald's case, it's, he's certainly a player who that qualifies for. Uh, and, and so it was nice to see him win, and I, I was happy to see him win. Um, and he, he he certainly came to play. And we mentioned some other guys. Von Miller was awesome. Jalen Ramsey, you mentioned Antonio, did not have a good game, which was. Uh, interesting on a number of levels, but certainly Donald uh, came to play in a big way. And, and yeah, in the biggest moment of the game, he made the biggest play and the Rams are Super Bowl champions. Yeah, he was fantastic. I would not have been, you know, prop bet aside, I would not have been uh, like disbelieving if they gave the MVP to Aaron Donald. But I want to go back to the last defensive player to win Super Bowl MVP, and that's Von Miller. And his line from that game was six tackles, two and a half sacks, and two forced fumbles. Uh, and I and so I think that set a precedent of you. I mean, it's not fair, but the box score matters for for this type of award. Uh, and I don't disagree, Tim. I think if he gets a sack on that last play, and the box score is three sacks. That makes a difference. If one of the sacks becomes a forced fumble, I think that would have made a difference, and that could have been the end of it. But with the the st- the numbers that he had, even though he's bowling people over, he's taken on double teams the whole game. Like that doesn't do as well in a in a final Super Bowl MVP box score, and that's how a lot of this ends up getting nicely packaged and and so I just think it worked out for for the season line that was the other point I made last week with the prop bet is that it becomes the season award and for the Rams Cooper Cup just had this ridiculous season 
and then he gets two touchdowns to tack to, to tack onto that season, and, and that cemented the MVP. But Aaron Donald certainly uh, could have gotten it, and I think he was a Joe Burrow knee from from maybe getting it with a third sack. It's all very fair. I, I and I'm I'm not really pushing back because you're exactly right. It's rigged against defenses. It, it, the game is just turning that way now completely. You want to talk about conspiracies? Like, come on, that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> they hate defense, and they shouldn't hate defense, but people love points because people are dumb. Um, I think, I think too, the other thing with that Von Miller thing that is similar to this game is that uh, both, but in both of those games, the offenses didn't really light it up. Like, I mean, look, look at cup stats here, eight receptions, 92 yards, two touchdowns. It's a good line, but it's not like a crazy, crazy line. It's good enough. He makes the plays when he needs to the fourth and one, whatever, like a cup, you know, look, I'm, I'm up in arms if Stafford wins it and not Cup <laughs> rather than Aaron Donald. I think that would be ridiculous. I get it. But in both of these Super Bowls, when Vaughn won it and when Aaron Donald should have won it, in my opinion, the off, there was no real like super, super stud offensive player. And the problem is with a defensive guy, you need that as well. Any If a quarterback lights it up, he's winning MVP. That's just how it happens. It didn't happen here. I thought Aaron Donald actually had a chance. Um, and at 15 to 1, it would have been sweet. And, the, and those two, Von Miller, if I recall, Antonio forced fumbles back in that Super Bowl, like directly led to 14 Broncos points in a game yeah. that was like 24 to 10. So, yeah, the, Tim, you're right. Defensive players have a lot going against them. That being said, I personally was fine with Cooper Cup winning. I, I mean, uh, what he did this season is like simply one of the best receiving seasons we've ever seen. He led, he won the receiving triple crown, catches, touchdowns, and yards, uh, offensive player of the year. And uh, Super Bowl MVP, the only receiver in NFL history who's even accomplished all of those things in a single career is Jerry Rice. No one's ever done it in a single season. So it, it's it's astonishing what we saw a Cup do this year. He had 22 total touchdowns by the time it was all said and done, around 2,400 yards, including playoffs. Uh, just wild. Just a wild run. He scored in every playoff game. I mean, we talked about, you know, a little earlier, McVeigh overthinking things. And I think that's definitely true. But you see, I think their last three games, you know, when they their backs are against the wall, what do they do? They go to Cooper Cup, uh, you know, against when they're down 10 to the 49ers. Um, he has both the big catches once the Bucks completed that crazy rally. And then we saw on that final drive. So I was fine with Cup winning. I, I in my perfect world where gambling wasn't a thing, Antonio, uh, uh, we uh, would have co-MVPs, and one offensive, one defensive, uh, and we would all just celebrate the two best Rams <laughs> players having a having the best, uh, you know, their best offensive player, their best defensive player, having their best games on Super Sunday and leading the way. But if only one had to win, Cup's fine. I probably would have given it to Donald, too, just because I like Aaron Donald more. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was, I mean, all in all, I think a pretty exciting Super Bowl. Certainly, I think from a Ravens perspective, we see the value of stars uh, <laughs> in Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. Um, if there's anything you can argue about the Ravens right now, it's that they have one star, and his name is Lamar Jackson, which is great to have that, but they, you know, you need them everywhere else, too. Um, so... I think the Rams were the champion. Uh, you know, they're built to win now, and they did. So, good on them. Yeah, the legacy of this, that's a good final point there, Jace. The legacy, I'm curious now if more NFL teams will attempt the sign three to four big names and forget about draft picks. But they drafted Aaron Donald. They drafted Cooper Cup. So, they just got... 
I'm fortunate is not, you know, whatever, they did a great job scouting, but a lot of this does come to luck in the end about getting a player who ends up being amazing. And they have some drafted guys who are their studs, but they were able to get two to three more uh, without worrying so much about first-round picks. Uh, it, the NFL is a copycat league. We'll see if other teams now are, are more open to trading those early picks uh, for proven stars and, and try to build a roster the same way that the Rams did. Yeah, I mean, this is the interesting point, to bring it to a Ravens perspective. Um, should the Ravens adopt the Rams model, is what everyone's saying. But, you know, not everyone, but the, the crazies. Uh, because, yeah, copycat league, exactly right. I think there is something to be said for taking elements of it and maybe not treating draft picks like this almighty coveted thing. You look at the NBA, it's a different, obviously only five guys start, whatever, it's a completely different thing. But first round picks basically mean nothing anymore. And I definitely think they have more value in the National Football League and salary cap and the contracts and the way all that stuff works, obviously. But I think there's something to be said for tweaking the model a little bit. Now, pushing back on that, Everybody's like, well, the Ravens never trade for any stars. Marcus Peters, Calais Campbell. Like, they make those they make those trades when they need to make them, and they've been relatively successful with those. But I think there might be a case for, I don't know, I'm not going to say go full Rams and trade two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey or whatever. We saw they almost did it with Jamal Adams, and that would have been an absolute disaster based on how he's turned out in Seattle. But I think there's something to be said for being a bit more aggressive and not coveting, you know, latching on to as many draft picks as possible because, as Eric DaCosta himself has said, they're just lottery tickets. And when you can trade in some lottery tickets for a proven commodity that you know will affect your team, and these scouting departments not only have college scouting departments, they have pro scouting departments as well. They know guys around the league that can help them in their system, in their scheme. It might be worth taking a few more risks than usual to maybe elevate in that way. How the Ravens do that, I mean, ask the Bucks and their cap wizard. Ask the Rams and, and like how they got around all the cap issues. You know, the answer to that is you kick the can down the road and you really pay for it later. The Ravens aren't tending to do that. That's why I say you probably don't go, you know, turn the dial all the way towards this Rams model. But, you know, there, I think there's something to be said for maybe taking a few more risks. All right, there's one thing uh, left to do from this Super Bowl, and that's go over our prop bets. And I am, I'm making all the time for this, guys, because, I mean, I, I almost had a perfect game uh, in terms of prop bets, and I struggled with some, some season-long picks uh, where, you know, I'm, I'm choosing to not talk about that and instead talk about just the prop bets that happened this week. But I had myself a week, and, and I'm going to review what happened for my, uh, my selections, and then my two co-hosts can, can list theirs as well. Hit Bengals, plus four and a half. Hit the Von Miller sack and got a nice price to it. Uh, hit the Stafford interception and got it twice from the league leader. In, in, uh, sorry, did I say Stafford sack? The, oh, no, the interception, a Stafford interception. Hit that, he threw two of them. Uh, the big winner, hit Cooper Cup at MVP at five to one odds. And the only thing I missed, I had Jamar Chase over eight and a half targets in this game. He had eight targets and a rushing attempt that was a throw, but because the ball was thrown backwards, it counted as a rushing attempt instead of a target, and he only got eight. Uh, he was wide open on fourth and one, but he didn't have time. 
uh, Burrow did not have time to throw him the ball on fourth and one. That would have been like the perfect final throw to complete the the, the prop week perfect game. But uh, very happy with, uh, let's see, one, two, three, three at, uh, yeah, one, two, three, four. Four out of five bets hitting for Super Bowl week. MT, you, you, you certainly took all that all that to the bank uh, for the listener. Yeah, um, real quickly, because I know we're moving off Super Bowl, we're wrapping the show, obviously. I do have a, just a couple more notes on the Super Bowl before I get to my prop bets. I'll make them very quick. We'll start with the most important one. Shout out Eric Weddle. Awesome story. Former Raven. Probably random Raven at some point when we're, when we're scraping the bottom of the barrel because it would be pretty, a bit too easy. Uh, you know, retired as of a month ago, and then he's wearing the green dot calling the defensive players in the Super Bowl, and, <laughs> he, and, he, gets, and he gets his ring. I love that. Shout out Tor- him. Tore his pec in this game and, like, kept kind of playing. <laughs> yeah, and then said, yeah, I tore my pec. I'm officially done now. So good for him. I love that. Um, on the Bengals, just to remind people, maybe people that don't, you know, aren't obsessed with this to a, to a, um, a you know, an addictive nature like we are, the Super Bowl losers curse is a real thing. So Cincinnati, it's coming for you. The team that loses the Super Bowl always ends up getting something funky going on for whatever reason. But on the other end, good for all the, you know, the, the zero Cincy fans that listen to this podcast. I honestly think they're just an offensive line rebuild away from being very, very good for a very, very long time. Competitive AFC, yada, yada, yada. We've talked about that. We'll talk about that more. It's easy to improve an offensive line in one offseason. So, you know, you invest some picks. They've got money to spend. They got guys on rookie deals. Could be a problem for the Ravens. And finally, before I get into my props. I don't care if it was just our age group or whatever. The halftime show was awesome. Bring it back every year. Run the same thing over again. I don't care. Or I'll just play that one instead when it's, I don't know, Takashi 6 9 or here's me <laughs> testing my limited musical knowledge about who's going to be the next TikTok star is going to be on, you know, doing the Super Bowl halftime show or whatever. Give me Dre. Give me Kendrick. Give me um, hefty 50 cent hanging upside down. Give me Eminem. Give me uh, 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 Snoop Dogg, Mary J, all of them. It was awesome. I loved every second of it. Tim, thank uh, you for bringing that up. I, I forgot to mention it. Uh, half it was awesome. It, it was, was awesome. Very, and it was very like, well done. Like It is not easy uh, to do like a live rap show that sounds good at a football game. And they did it uh, very well. The one thing we had to laugh about just with the halftime show was... Uh, Everyone who showed up was billed but 50 Cent. <laughs> like, so it was kind of funny. Like, he was the only surprise guest. Like, like you're like, at, if there's only one surprise guest, like, why didn't you just bill 50 Cent as also being on, <laughs> on it? But, you know, I, I, I was pleasantly I, I love uh, 50 Cent, so I, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised he showed up. But, it was, uh, yeah. it, it was incredible. All of it. And, like, just hype moments and stuff, too. Dre getting on the piano. Like, I mean, come on. Snoop. Just being Snoop. If there's one person I'd want to be for a day, just a day, it's Snoop. Just to kind of see how it works and how everything goes. I mean, he, he just seems like the coolest guy out there. Um, but anyway, yeah, we had to mention the halftime show. It was incredible. Um, and funny, like right after the halftime show, two big plays, and then kind of dull until the end of the game there, <laughs> um, until the until the Rams drive. Um, okay, anyway, anyway, not to take up any more time. In terms of prop bets for me, We've mentioned it. It's going to be one of the headlines of this show. Aaron Donald was robbed of the Super Bowl MVP, and so was I. 
Um, over five and a half sacks. I told you the Rams would do it by themselves. I got a little nervous in the first half, and then they turned up the heat. I think they had six sacks in the second half. I think six of their seven came in the second half, I, I believe. So, yeah. so plus 110, over five sacks for the whole game, and I got it with just the Rams. That's fine with me. Um, I believe this hit as well. Because this is the six-pointer. Yeah, this is the missed field goal or the missed extra point from the Rams. I'm looking at the box score here. Uh, over two and a half total touchdowns in the first half. I took the over. They were both minus 110 either way. There was three. Just barely got that one. Um, and I nailed the Bengals plus four and a half for the game pick as well as we've talked about. And I missed no touchback. Another one I was robbed. McPherson kicked it a half a yard into the end zone. It could have been returned. It could have been returned. that deep. It could have been returned. The guy, McVay or the special teams coach, obviously said, plant your feet on the five if it goes over your head. Do not touch the ball. I think, again, McVay was playing scared. He shouldn't have played scared. I should have factored that into my calculations uh, when making these prop bet predictions last week. Um, so missed that one. So now it is, what, 18 out of the last 21 years. Uh, t- no touchback is hit, which is a well, the, These teams were determined to not do anything on kickoff returns. There was one return all game, and it was for 17 yards. So yep. uh, those were both Super Bowl lows. So that kind was of tough. is was a, tough. a bummer because kickoffs are always exciting, I think. But uh, um, I did not do so well <laughs> on my props. Uh, it was a, the game did not play out uh, how I anticipated my uh, – my Bengals score first on a field goal. This is a two two different legs. I had Bengals to score first, and then uh, that did not cash. And, uh, the first score was a field goal or safety. Did not cash as Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, scored a touchdown to open the scoring for the Rams. My MVP at fifteen to one, who immediately, almost immediately, tore his ACL. Um, so that stinks for him. Uh, and obviously, it did not lead to him winning Super Bowl MVP. Um, <laughs> some other ones I got wrong that I don't know if I even threw all these out on the show, but I jotted down team scores first wins the game because I had this whole scenario where the Bengals would score first on a field goal, but I had the Rams to win. I said, uh, no. And the Rams scored first to win the game, even despite, you know, taking a 10 point lead, blowing it and still managing to win. That did not cash. Will both teams have exactly a one-yard touchdown? We got one one-yard touchdown, but we did not get two, uh, unfortunately. Um, so that was that was that was another disappointment. Uh, a successful two-point did not happen, thanks mainly to Johnny Hecker's drop. I'm almost positive we get a two-point conversion attempt at some point. Uh, if it's not, you know, if it's 14-3, it seems like prime for a two-point conversion somewhere yeah, along the way. That's a great point. Uh, instead, we never got any weird numbers, no two-point tries um, at all in this game. Uh, yeah, what is uh, one, the, the, perhaps the most painful of the misses. I mean, I also I picked the right team and the Rams still didn't cover minus four and a half. But uh, the most painful for me, which was actually going to be my highest payout, Matthew Stafford rushing TD plus 550. Fourth and uh, first and goal at the one, and he runs it uh, right into the line for no gain <laughs> before hitting Cooper Cup for the aforementioned one yard touchdown. Um, they tried. They were so close, uh, but that, that one did not come through. Uh, the only, and I don't, I definitely didn't say this on the show. The only prop I think I even got correct of the ones I, <laughs> I, I enjoyed. And I will say I chose some dumb ones cause I'm more cause I enjoyed them. Not probably for a chance of winning so much, but, uh, last play of the game will be a QB rush plus 170. I assume this is their weird way of just writing QB kneel down QB rush. It says technically kneel downs are rushing attempts. So if that's the case, 
I got that one at plus odds. But uh, otherwise, if I put real money on this, I lost a lot. So hopefully no one out there listening did that. <laughs> we, uh, I want to add just one thing to Jace's props. We don't intend to like uh, make jokes about injured players. Uh, and that is not the spirit that this, is, that this was set in. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is hurt, but he's okay. He was on the sidelines. He won a Super Bowl. I think he's, he's happy with the end result. Uh, but for Jace's MVP pick uh, with uh, Odell, with the early touchdown, it was sort of in play there for a little bit. And then the injury and uh, a text from, from Jace to the group that I just would like to read, read out here. OBJ tearing his ACL there is going to be a hindrance to MVP. <laughs> uh, and it and it was. He only was able to play about a half of football. But had he stayed healthy, Jace, who knows that fifteen yeah, to one. I mean, uh, he had that. He had that. He had a long. Catch, he had like a twenty yard plus catch, a, a touchdown, and then that was it. So that's a bummer for him, uh, for sure. But um, yeah, he won the Super Bowl. Uh, but more importantly, Aaron Donald won the Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah. we're gonna focus on that. And the Bengals yeah. didn't. The Bengals didn't. I'm very worried about Joe Burrow. Guy's a gamer. We didn't talk about him much. Uh, he got, you know, seven sacks and he still hung in there. Definitely seemed like he also hurt his knee at some point. Um, the opposite knee of that he tore last year, he grabbed it and clearly in pain uh, after one of his many sacks in, I believe that was the fourth quarter, and was limping visibly after the game. But, you know, he's tough. That's annoying. He's a gamer. Uh, I don't want to play him the next 15 seasons. <laughs> All right, just one quick thing because it just popped up on my timeline as we're recording this, and I just it's quick trivia for you guys, and I know we then we'll wrap it here, including postseason. Joe Burrow was sacked the third most times in NFL history this season. Do either of you want to guess a number, including postseason? Oh, uh, in one season, one season. This one with season the is season attached. With the postseason attached, is the third most in NFL history. I think I actually saw, I at least saw the postseason number, and I think I saw the regular. All right, then you wait, then you wait, then you wait, yeah. All right, I'm going to say 600 times. No, I'll (laughs) say, uh, let's see, because I have not seen this, to be be completely honest on here. 64, I'll say. Jace? So I know the postseason number is 19, I believe, so I'm going to say it's around 70, I think. It is 70 times. 70 times he was sacked this season. So we're going to use that as the pivot for next season, Tim. They're Super Bowl losers. Their quarterback gets hammered all the time. They're going to lose at least three more games uh, next season. And, and at not some point, they the catch game. up to you. Remember, he's that, he's older than uh, Lamar Jackson. At some point, the uh, hits catch up to you. That uh, that hip that hip's going to you know start flaring up, and yeah, the old man old man Joe Burrow. All right, let's go over the random <laughs> Raven uh, one more time, and then get on out of here. So. This random Raven played for the team for three seasons from 2015 to 2017. He was drafted out of the University of Arkansas in the third round by the New England Patriots in 2011, but couldn't break into their starting lineup and was traded after three seasons to the Houston Texans. He was finally able to get his first start in 2014 with Houston and was a spot starter for them in 2015, but was released in October of 2015 after an infamous incident where he missed the team flight before the Texans game against the Miami Dolphins and had to fly commercial to join the team. Just uh, just imagine having to fly commercial. Two months later, he was signed by the Ravens out of desperation due to injuries and poor play at the position and got his first start two weeks later 
playing a pivotal role in a surprise win over the then 9-5 Pittsburgh Steelers. He started only one more game that season and then was a backup with no starts in 2016 and 2017. His last seasons with the Ravens end in the NFL, and he wore both Kyle Bowler's and Hollywood Brown's old numbers. So I think both my co-hosts have it. So I'm not going to add the bonus clue uh, by giving the position of this player, even though I've kind of been uh, circling it a little bit. But uh, which one of you wants to uh, take a stab? You both can, I, I guess. Well, Jace had it first. Uh, we're going to get it, so he, he, can, he can go ahead. Yeah, I'm 99% sure this is uh, the one, the only Ryan Mallett. Quarterback Ryan Mallett. <laughs> That's what I have, too. It is Ryan Mallett. Yes, the dark ages of, of Ravens football, the unknown ages of Ravens football, had Ryan Mallett starting and beating Ben Roethlisberger in a season where the Steelers went to the playoffs and the Ravens were really bad. Uh, the uh, the reason that he was signed was because Jimmy Clausen wasn't <laughs> yes. playing well for the Ravens, <laughs> so they I was, needed... I wasn't 100% sure it was him, but I was like, I feel like Jimmy Clausen was on that team. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that's that's an era of uh, of offense that we don't have to deal with anymore, which is good. It, you know, we we much prefer Lamar Jackson, uh, I, I and even think, Tyler Huntley to, to to that point. I think uh, Antonio, um, we had another random Raven from this season on this offense uh, that highlights it. I'm pretty sure this was the season Kamara Aiken led the team in receiving. So you know, kind of time and place. Kamara Aiken's leading the team in receiving. Uh, Ryan Mallett's throwing passes. Jimmy Clausen's in the mix. Future random Raven Matt Schaub's throwing pick sixes against the Browns. Mm-hmm. All things are happening in this uh, that that horrible season. <laughs> the while researching this, I found there is a YouTube highlight clip of that game, uh, and it, it, as the clip is happening, I think Ryan Mallett throws one touchdown pass, and uh, whoever stu- whatever studio is doing the the highlight segment, one of the guys says. Look, and this is why Ryan Mallett is always going to find a home in the NFL because of that size and, and throwing ability. He's, he's always going to get another team to play with. And he did not play for any other team uh, after the Ravens and really never got any more starts either. But Ryan Mallett is my random Raven. Uh, well done to both of you and well done to whoever, uh, whoever got it uh, in the listening world. And that's it. That's going to do it for us this week. A little programming note. We need some vacation. We need some vacation from whatever this Ravens season was, and we need some time off from uh, whatever this NFL season was where the NFL got exactly what they wanted by having uh, SoFi host the Rams and L.A. win their first Super Bowl. Uh, So, yeah, um, we're going to take next week off. We're probably going to stick to one show every two weeks for the time being. We will keep you posted on all of that uh, on Twitter at PodLikeARaven, so please follow us there. Uh, to get all programming uh, notes and updates. And otherwise, uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Jason, Tim, any final uh, final words on, on the closing of this NFL season? It was a crazy season. It was a fun season at times. <laughs> the end was not great for your Baltimore Ravens. But uh, on the whole, I watched a ton of NFL this year. I enjoyed it a lot. It was no gave us no shortage of things to talk about. That's certainly true. I, one of the more memorable Ravens seasons in quite a while, I will say. Um and I hope next year's is better. Uh, better season all around. Uh, let's go back to the playoffs and all that stuff. That'd be fun. Yeah, we all started in Las Vegas. Like, that <laughs> seems about a year ago, uh, you know, over a year ago at this point. 
Never forget beating the Chiefs. Never forget the record-breaking field goal against the Lions. Never forget the comeback against the Colts. Never forget demolishing the Chargers. Forget pretty much everything else after that <laughs> um, because you don't really need it. I'm I'm excited to take a bit of time off, but uh, once we get into the offseason and draft and combine and mock drafts, let's go. Another The season never sleeps, baby, so I'm excited to get it rolling after you know a nice little respite next week. That's it for us, guys. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us all season. It's been an exciting one for us uh, with uh, the, many a Ravens games to have to d- digest and, and break down some, some painful ones this year, some crazy ones, but also a big year for us in terms of joining Fansided. Uh, really exciting uh, for, for the three of us and for this show moving forward. And we thank the listener. We thank you guys for, for checking us out every week, for... Uh, Sending in random ravens, sending in uh, questions that you guys sent, um, and we look forward to more uh, in the off season. Look forward to growing uh, for the Ravens in uh, 2022, 2023, 20 to one Super Bowl odds for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm gonna have to talk myself uh, off of that one in the next in the next few uh, few weeks because that's this is our year. We're now 2022. This is our year for for the Baltimore Ravens. All right, thank you guys, as always, for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.